Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking Gen G. To do that, I have Jordan Sherman, the head of revenue operations for one of the leading esports organizations. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. I figure all of our listeners know about Gen G, but for those unfamiliar, Gen G was once one of the top League of Legends teams in South Korea. Some say, say it still is, but they were competing under the name Samsung Galaxy when they won two world championships. They're consistently among the favorites, and this year they qualified for Worlds once again. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Our whole org is really excited. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'll be rooting for you guys too, at least at the group stage. Lately, the organization's most dominant team, though, has been in PUBG, with the org winning the PUBG Invitational in 2018 and the PUBG Global Championship in 2019. In addition to being a top-flight esports org, they are also focused on a wide array of really awesome initiatives. They have an all-female Fortnite team powered by Bumble, which includes Tina Reyes, the winner of the Fortnite tournament at TwitchCon. In addition to the Bumble partnership, one of the best brand brand partnerships in esports from my perspective. They also have deals with Puma, Mercedes-Benz, McDonald's, Old Spice, and a lot more. And on the college side, they have partnered with the University of Kentucky and Eastern Michigan University. Then there's also the Gen G Foundation, an organization trying to empower the next generation of esports leaders with a focus on inclusion, diversity, and academic excellence. They have the Gen 10, 10 scholarship recipients backed by Gen G with that focus in mind. For Jordan personally, he spent a lot of time in the traditional sports world with six years at the MLB and two at the Los Angeles Clippers before moving to Gen G in 2018. On this show, we're going to be talking about Gen G's initiatives, the goals of the organization, how the team has built such a strong list of brand partners, and what an esports organization brings to a college program. So Jordan, let me know, did I miss anything? That was really excellent. I didn't even know you had that prepared, so that's great. (laughs) <laughs> I've been familiar. You know, I think I've covered a lot of that over the years. I, I wrote about the Bumble and Fortnite team. Uh, I interviewed you about the Puma partnership. I was at the TwitchCon when Tina Reyes won. So, you know, I've picked up all this over the over time for sure. Yep. And we met at Oregon. And we met at Oregon, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to my alma mater, which is just a, a quick way to... Uh, Get into my good graces. When you when you visit the University of Oregon, you get to talk to those Oregon students. That was a really fun time. Uh, and that's when we first met. I actually got to meet you in person, which was which was really awesome. Uh, that panel, what was that? That was you, uh, Evil Geniuses, and Team Liquid. Just a totally high-powered panel at the University of Oregon. And it made me so jealous because when I was a kid, or when I was a student there three years ago, there was no chance anything like that would have ever existed. So I'm glad my uh, my old school is finally getting with the times and bringing students some awesome resources like that. Yeah, and I remember you asked, a, I don't remember what you asked, but you asked like a very high level, in-depth question. <laughs> and then after I was like, who are you? I was like, you're not, you're not a student. You must be a journalist. <laughs> like that was a really important, like high level question. You know what it was? Is I saw your background in the MLB, and it was right after the Astros cheating scandal had come out. And I asked uh, what esports damage control looks like for for a scandal like that. And, you know, we saw the MLB with their hair on fire. It was like, is esports prepared for some sort of scandal like this? And now we're kind of seeing that in CS:GO with a pretty big, wide ranging match fixing deal. And the answer you guys all gave was no, probably not. And that seems pretty <laughs> accurate. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember you were like, "That's a that's a question." Uh, the Team Liquid guy just shook his head. I I can't remember who was. 
he was their head of apparel and merchandising, but I can't remember his name right now. But he was just like shaking his head yeah. no when I when I asked it. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was a really fun event. I was so glad that that happened. So let's talk a little bit about Worlds. The Worlds draw just come out. Gen G, that's the the game this organization has been built on. Had so much success over the time. You guys, Group C with Fnatic and Team Solo Mid plus one additional qualifier from the play-in. How are you feeling about that? That feels like a pretty good group. Yeah, well, you know, even kind of dating back to last year, like I kind of see us getting into Worlds as almost like a full year recap on uh, terms of like what our team did to restructure the roster. Uh, we worked on a campaign last year where when we signed Ruler, we did a fan event. It was actually sponsored by Kass, uh, which is owned by AB Budweiser um, in Korea. And we did this event where we signed Ruler and we wanted to make a big deal out of him kind of coming back to the team and understanding Genji's values and then having Ruler help us recruit some of the best players in the world, best players that kind of fit our structure and what we're looking to do. Um, we, we looked at it as kind of like a, a very, like, uh, you know, Miami heat when I got like Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Chris Bosch, <laughs> like we like thought of it like in that context, like let's, let's actually like throw an event of like the decision and really help people see like what type of organization Gen G is. So it's been really cool to see how the team's done and improved throughout the year. Um, and then, you know, it was really like an up and down thing for us, like, we had an opportunity to get in a few times. Uh, we actually had three separate opportunities to get in, and it took the third opportunity for us to win the gauntlet event um, in order to get in. And I thought it just kind of spoke to like the perseverance of our team and our roster and our org as a whole um, to kind of battle back from that. I think a lot of times you see in traditional sports or esports, like once the ball starts going against you or you feel like the brakes aren't going your way, you can almost feel like that's just too big of a mountain to climb and it can get in your head and you can be a little bit too mental about it. And I just think it was so cool that the players were able to accept the setbacks that they had and still get into worlds. And now that we're in, I'm kind of optimistic that like, we're going to be able to play with some swag and we're going to be able to play like our game and not tense up because we're just really happy to be a part of it and to get into it. And for us, I feel like, our hurdle was getting to worlds and now the rest of this is kind of like house money in a sense. So I'm really optimistic to see the team's performance and what they can do now that like we accomplished this goal and so much is already in our rear view. There's definitely something to be said for getting in and then just having uh, no hurdles just be like, okay, we're here. Let's do whatever we can. And, you know, not just necessarily happy to be there, but having, you know, every, like you said, it's house money. Anything's gravy. You guys are in the group stage. It's fantastic. You get out of groups. That's amazing. So everything you do is like, this is awesome. And I feel like you guys got a good shot in that, in that group. You know, it's, there's no bad teams in worlds, of course. Uh, but you did avoid the one group without an LPL team, which feels like probably a, a helpful thing. And again, TSM and Fnatic, no slouches by any means, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Yeah, Definitely it's funny. Rooted. It's like everyone's like, well, we don't want to avoid, we don't want to be in like the group of death or you know, this team or that. And in my opinion, I'm just like, I don't know. It's the world championships. Like these are the best yeah. teams in the world. Like there's, there's 12 no teams. Yeah, yeah. Like we're not playing like, you know, your local middle schools. <laughs> like these are like the best teams in the world. So it's just kind of like one of those things. It's like, 
you got to play, you got to play. And I think a lot of it's about matchups too. Um, so I kind of went, I, my thought process on the group stage was like, let's just get to it. You know, it's going to, we're going to get here. We're going to get, let's see what we can do. Hey, well, I'm super excited. Worlds is always just the most fun and Riot Games really knows how to throw an event like that. What do you think the viewership's going to do this year? Ooh, oh, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. I mean, we've already seen like uh, the LEC break the record for their their AMA with like 800,000 peaking at almost a million. Uh, and then last year was what the... Oh, I had this number recently. It was like 3 million or something for like top AMA. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, I'm looking it up. I don't know. I, I just was talking about this with somebody right now, and I don't want to put a bad stat out there. Well, I guess I'm wondering, like, do you think, I mean, obviously there won't be people in the stands, but um, this is record was 21.8 million average minute audience 20, for World right, 2019. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, I need to. I need to talk to David, David, the head of communications for for Riot, and get better details on um, how all of that is calculated over the entire span. Because I've also seen the number three million put out there, um, but I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just need to get more details. The ultimately, what it's going to be is going to be massive. It's going to be the biggest esports event ever. I'm pretty sure Worlds for the last four years has broken the record of most viewers for an esports event. So I think at this point, it's uh, it's a bold take to say they're not going to break the record. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's going to be big too, and hopefully the biggest ever. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's all the teams you would probably expect. The LPL teams, I'm a little less familiar with, not the ones, you know, Fun Plus didn't quite make it in this year, but you've got G2 Esports, you've got TSM, you've got Fnatic, no Cloud9, uh, but you've got Rogue, Gen G. FlyQuest uh, sneaks in there. And so I and damn one JD Gaming are both really big over in uh, Korea and China, respectively. So I think there's a lot of the star power people are going to be looking for, uh, especially if we get some of those regional matchups that people love to see later in the tournament. Something like, you know, whenever it's uh, Korea versus Europe or or China versus uh, L- or the LCS, anything like that always seems to drive just pretty insane viewership consistently. But anyways, before we just talk about Worlds for 30 minutes, which I could absolutely do, let's talk about some of the awesome things Genji's doing, especially in the college world. You know, we launched the College Esports Quick Deck, and I'll be publishing this episode on the Esports Network feed, but also on that College Esports feed, because it's a space that we really want to dive a lot more into. And as we met while you were talking to my alma mater at the University of Oregon, Genji's done a lot of work in colleges since then, partnering with the University of Kentucky, partnering with Eastern Michigan University. What is Gen.G doing with those partnerships? Can you dive in a little bit about what that partnership means and what Gen.G is bringing to a college esports program like that? Sure. So the way we're looking at it is a lot of universities are building up their esports programs, and we think that's really good. Um, But a lot of them are doing it really geared towards competitive teams and trying to figure out, okay, how do we figure out a schedule where we could get the best players from our university and put them on a tournament stage. And we think that's interesting and unique, but our thought process is that, you know, League of Legends, like the world championships, is always going to be bigger than maybe like an NCAA championship. And maybe that grows over time, um, but when you kind of see the structures that are already in place and the way 
know, the audience is already kind of looking at this stuff. There's really a strive to see the best of the best. And we're not 100% sure if college football is going to be the same as college esports. So what our philosophy is, is we help universities use gaming and esports to recruit students to their school, to retain them as part of school, and then to also encourage alumni uh, to get reinvested in the school. And so in doing that, our basic concept is you want to focus on casual gamers and the gaming community and not just a small segment of the ultra competitive teams that might represent the university in a tournament. So a lot of the activations that we think about is, okay, how can we actually do something that helps a high school student understand what a college esports program is or how to become up with career opportunities or academic pathways or on-campus events or virtual events for a current student to feel, okay, I really like the school that I'm at. Uh, I feel like I'm a part of a larger community. Uh, there's a gaming place here for me where I could meet other gamers and make friends, but I don't necessarily have to make esports my life goal. I can continue doing whatever I want to do in journalism, entrepreneurship, medicine, history, law, etc. Um, so the way, for example, what we've done, I think something's really interesting is with Eastern Michigan University, they have a very large Super Smash Club, just like every other university has. And we talk to them, and, and what's great about all these clubs is they, they want to get back to the school and they want to be involved. So every other Thursday we do a Twitch broadcast uh, where Eastern Michigan students can actually play with and against high school students from across the country. And it's been really cool. We have over 100 high schools that have signed up to participate. We have students from almost all 50 states participating. And they're signing up and they're, they're playing alongside other high school kids and these college students. And what we're showing them is, number one, Eastern Michigan values the esports community. Number two, if you decide to go to Eastern Michigan, you're hopefully going to know other people and make friends who are also high school kids like yourself because you've been seeing them every Thursday through these events. And number three, you kind of get a feel for like what the school is about because you already know people there who are in the Smash Club. So if you think about it, you know, especially with COVID, you can't go for, uh, you may not be able to go to actually visit campus. You may not be able to go for Welcome Week. In some cases, you may not even go to class. So now what we've done is kind of create this virtual experience where when you show up the first day, you already know people. You know, people that you've played with in high school and, you know, people that you've played with who are already in college or a couple years older than you who've been involved in this program. So I always say for a lot of people, like if they remember Welcome Week or Orientation, you have to like sit in a circle with all the people in your hall or in your dorm room and it's super awkward. Like we want to use gaming <laughs> as a way to knock that down. And for the schools, it's great. Oh, welcome week was, was incredibly awkward. I, I just remember that being like, this is okay. I got to make my friends now, right now. And I was like, well, I didn't make any friends. Uh-oh. Uh, and then yeah, it's, it's, not it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's like, how are you supposed to do that? It's like, you're in a foreign place. You've never been there before. You never without your parents, most likely. Um, like, you don't know where anything is. You don't know where to go. And then like, you have, everyone's trying to make friends. You have to do it within like two days, it feels like. It's just, there's so much pressure. And that that's why I think a lot of students end up retreating to their dorm room or transferring or not having great experiences in college because it's just, it's too hard and it's too much. So if we can actually use gaming as a way for people to kind of make friends and be social and kind of feel valued and feel like they have a community on campus, then we've done really good for the students and for the university. And when you think of gaming and esports in that light, 
you see that it's much more well-rounded and deeper than competitive gaming. Definitely. I made my friends. That was my secret weapon to making friends in college was my GameCube. Open the dorm room, throw on the Super Smash Bros. Like, uh, yeah. the, just the character select screen and wait for somebody to, to come by. And so we, uh, my roommates quickly, and now one of my all-time best friends, my friend Ross, shout out to Ross, uh, we just played Super Smash Bros. Melee for hours upon hours of that freshman that we started living together, sophomore and junior year, until the only people we could play that game on the campus felt like was was us. And we awesome. didn't have a Smash, a Smash Club at the time, but we totally, totally would have been members. But it's uh, gaming brings people together. It creates friendships in a way that, is often difficult to do. And I love that that focus on casual gaming. I think a lot more people need to focus on, hey, what are the great parts of gaming? And we're seeing that with some of the really popular games lately. We're seeing the rise of Among Us and seeing the rise of Fall Guys has made me feel like people are really gravitating to more casual, fun, uh, interactive gaming experiences. And I love to see that because I think that's something that we can have more of. You know, I'm, I'm also grinded Rocket League whenever I can. But having like fun, casual gaming experiences is just a better, uh, better vibe for me personally. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood to play something competitive. Sometimes I just want to chill with my friends. And I, I love to see that esports organizations are recognizing that and trying to create more initiatives around that aspect. Yeah, for sure. When I remember when like Mario Party first came out and I was like, okay, uh, this is just, like kind of silly. Like I, I don't get it. Like I've never really played games like this. And then once I saw it kind of take off, I was like, Oh, this is how people are going to socialize. Like, this is what's going to mm-hmm. be on in people's homes when they have friends over. You know, it's like it, that. that's how people kind of like that type of fun, casual, even like now if you think I fall guys is a great example. I think overcooked is a great example, mm-hmm. um, which I play with my wife. Like, it's just like, it's a great that going? game. I tried to play it's overcooked it. with my girlfriend and <laughs> we are at each other's throats. <laughs> It's great. I mean, it's fun. You know, we laugh about it. We're not, we're, not, we're not taking it too serious. But, you know, it's fun. Like, I think that type of stuff is so cool um, that you can, that you can do with someone. And, and uh, you know, you got good communication skills. So maybe you guys got to talk Apparently. <laughs> well, well, we'll have three stars and I love her to death, but she wants more. She's like, more. We got to get another one. I'm like, we, we, did, we did it. We beat the college. It's uh, yeah. you got to maximize potential output every single time. No, I, I love it. She's not. And then really another gamer, thing, she's into it now. That's great. I was say another thing that we're doing for schools is we're trying to help them. Like I think a lot of schools think like, okay, uh, we need a whole new esports strategy, and we need to do like X Y Z and hire all these people. And what we try to tell schools is, you really want to build from your strengths. And you want to do something that is already a reflection of your university. So, for example, the Penn Relays was an event that you know, University of Pennsylvania has been doing for 126 years. It happens on at Franklin Field, which is their football stadium on campus. And there's like high school runners and college runners and Olympians every single year. So we were going to do like an esports event uh, there because if you ever run track, you know, you like run your like mile and then you're, you have nothing to do for a few hours. So we figured we would set up like an esports arena. But then when I got canceled, what we did was is we created the digital pen relays where we actually rebuilt the football stadium within Minecraft and then created these relay races where people could actually take their Minecraft characters, sign up with friends, and compete in different heats. So just like a track race, like uh, high school boys, high school girls, high school mix, college boys, you know, et cetera. And you could compete against other high schools and other colleges 
in Minecraft in a recreated pen relays environment that you know, took some liberties. Like there was like snow and ice and fire, and, like fun things like that that you don't really have on a track. Um, but all of a sudden what this did was is it gave Penn a digital extension to their track race, which was happened to be over a century old. It allowed people who weren't planning on being in Philadelphia that weekend or couldn't make it to Philadelphia to participate. So now you have kind of a global audience. It gives Penn a new element to kind of promote their partners and their sponsors doing it through Twitch and social media. And it becomes a temple and a franchise that's built from the university itself. So now that's something that we're hopefully going to be working with them on for years and years to come because it's going to be part of the fabric of what that event is. So I think when universities who are maybe struggling to get esports or not even sure if it's worth their time, if you think, okay, this is going to help us get new students, it's going to help existing students like have a better experience and not transfer, and we can do it in a way where we can take our existing events and just kind of transport them in fun ways to the gaming community, then you really start to kind of seeing how the pieces fit together and why gaming should be really important to a lot of schools. Absolutely. And it also creates opportunities for people who might not feel a connection to their university. I think you've sort of alluded to this where, you know, maybe these are people who are playing video games in their dorm room and giving them the opportunity to have a club that fits their interests and gets them out, gets them on campus at the center of campus, uh, gets them representing if they're playing for their club, gets them representing their school's colors is creates a level of connection. And there's been plenty of studies published that shows that feeling connected to your university increases people's academic success once you're once you're part of it there and that's really what universities want they want their students to be connected they want them to want to come back to school uh to try their hardest in school and so it feels like having those clubs that reach people where they're at is really impactful for just increasing academic output and also uh, just student happiness well yeah i mean that gets into the third pillar of what we're trying to build with, with alumni because you know we have a lot, and when I talk about alumni, I'm talking about mostly young alumni, people who graduated anywhere from zero to 10 to 15 years ago, who like ex exactly what you said. I love Super Smash. I played GameCube with my friends, but there wasn't a Smash community when I was there on campus. There's a lot of people out there like you who actually want to be more involved with their university, but don't have great inroads to do so. And they don't harbor any ill will that the university didn't have those programs at the time. Like, People are actually very understanding of that. Um, so things that we're really working on, are like alumni leagues, alumni gaming get-togethers, um, routinized schedules where people know like where they have to be and when so they can play with other people from their school and reconnect. Because really, you know, the way schools have traditionally done it is like football, basketball, homecoming, and maybe like a tentpole event that like something does. But a lot of people age out or they move away or they just decide like, I'm kind of too old for that any, any longer. But now if we do something that's like specifically designed for young alumni that leverages technology, that uses like the gaming community to bring them together, now we've created an even better asset for these universities where they can like always connect with their alumni. And then when it comes time when these people are, you know, maybe further along in their careers or in positions of power at really interesting, unique companies that are going to shape kind of the globe and where things are going, they at least have, hopefully at this point, you know, would have a decade long of connection to those students through gaming and technology. And that's like the roadmap we're trying to build for them. So they think of it like, okay, your gaming experience with your university 
could start when you're in ninth grade and it can go, you know, all the way through to potentially when your kids go to that school. I love that. I love creating that through line is for sure to alumni. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a little salty that, that University of Oregon doesn't ha- didn't have things while I was a kid, but I also understand that, you know, that's not, that wasn't realistic for them. And I'm just happy that they have them now and that current students have those esports opportunities. So yeah, it's, I, I feel like alumni are sort of understanding of the fact that, hey, that just was never going to be a thing. That wasn't a thing anywhere else. And, you know, now five, 10 years down the line, if you still don't have an esports program in 2025, that might actually, people would be like, wow, really? You guys don't have one of these? I might have to go to a different university. So it feels like we're reaching a point where uh, it's going to be pretty common that you at least have some sort of esports infrastructure. Yeah, I think there's a unique window right now, but that that window is going to close because I think you're right. Like if, if someone tries to come up with this in five or six years or even two or three, it's going to kind of be like, I got my fill somewhere else. You know, it's like, it's like when your mom joins Facebook. <laughs> exactly you have to you have to move on it's like oh i guess we're, we're moving to the next thing and i actually think yeah. that gets into something that also i want to talk about which i think that same window exists for brand partners right now people are pretty welcoming of major brands getting into esports as long as they show an approach to esports you see things like puma mcdonald's uh, mercedes-benz in league of legends we've seen mastercard and all be welcomed pretty readily and it feels like there's a window for brands if they're uh, either one of the first in their sector or they come in and they do some really cool content, the esports community is willing to accept them. And eventually we reach a point of brand numbness that we have in traditional sports where uh, at a certain point, there's just so many sponsors that it's just a, a commonplace thing. And I feel like there's a window right now, you having worked with so many different brands and brought in a lot of brands and had a hand in bringing in all these brands. How do you see the brand sponsorship in esports evolving? Do you think we reached that point in traditional sports where it's just like, oh yeah, every esports organization has, you know, 15 brands they're a partner with and it maybe loses a little bit of its luster. But right now it feels like these, these activations have still a lot of power behind them. For sure. Um, a couple of things that I think, I think you're definitely right in kind of the explanation of it. And what I try to tell brands all the time is uh, we're at this unique point where their entry into their space or into the gaming space brings credibility to it. And they're actually going to be welcomed and they're going to be welcomed more so than they would be potentially like going into a traditional sports team. And, and I worked in traditional sports and MLB and at the Clippers. Um, and I can tell you like, Fans there really cared about like the team and the team winning, but in esports, it's kind of like because the community is also involved in building up the industry. There's kind of like a unique excitement that happens when brand partners enter the space. If and this is a very big if, they're able to do so in a way that's that brings value to the gamers and doesn't take away value. So when I wrote, I, I had a really big lesson. Uh, one of our early deals, we were kind of like writing the press release for it. And I was putting in my notes and I was talking a lot about like the gaming demographic and the age of the people uh, and how it's hard to reach them on ads and, you know, what, what it's like in terms of how often, how much time they spend, yada, yada, like all those like technical bullet points. And the client like ripped it up and told me it was trash. And they said, we're not entering the gaming space because like we love the audience demographics. That's not... That's what we're trying to do. We're actually trying to make the gaming experience better with our products. That's that's the story we want. 
And that to me was really eye-opening because what I kind of saw was like brands who go into it kind of thinking about who the people are are going into it with the wrong viewpoint. They should be going into it by saying, okay, how can we do something that's going to be really cool for this market and make it feel like um, our entry has made it better. And that should be a really interesting challenge and a fun challenge for both brands and for companies like Genji and our, and our other colleagues, companies at other places. Um, and examples of that, you know, Bumble came in and really put a lot of weight behind women gamers um, by sponsoring, you know, the all women's Fortnite team and a bunch of different content creators and streamers uh, who are women and who are on the rise. And so that actually gave a lot of accreditation and validation to that group. Um, Puma was like one of the early traditional sports brands that kind of came into esports and helped us with apparel. We're doing a specific world's jersey. Like people were really into that that story too because that was a brand coming in and being like, we see you as esports gamers and we're actually going to create apparel and do things that you might see in traditional sports that are we're going to do with the same you know gusto and fire that we do there. So people really like that. Um, Mercedes, we do a ton of different like, experiential events with our players. Um, that was really cool. Cost, I kind of talked about it earlier, but like we did this signing event for fans and fans had the opportunity to meet with Ruler and ask him questions and like kind of get this really personal experience. So um, I think every time you look at it, if you're able to do something in a way that translates to value, you can be super successful and get a ton of mileage. And if you look at the campaigns that maybe have fallen flat, um, I think you'd see that they... In some cases, they took away value from people, and you know, names not necessary. They took away value, and then I think that's how we always think about it on our side: is like, what does this entry into this space mean, um, and how can we make it better for everybody? Absolutely, it's a, it's an important factor. Is hey, we gotta be we gotta be different. We gotta be adding things, uh, as we've seen with the Twitch announcement of doing mid roll ads, uh, sort of forced mid roll ads. Gamers are not totally receptive to all advertising. Uh, it's just when it comes in and the brand, like you said, esports organizations have a sort of unique thing because the brand is seen as directly supporting the players and the the brand that they're a fan of, but especially the players where. Hey, you know, contracts aren't nearly as big as they are in traditional sports. So when a brand like a McDonald's or a Bumble uh, comes in and they sponsor a team like the the female Fortnite team on Gen G, it's like, oh, okay, I like those people. And I'm glad that they now have a big brand partner who's going to help them have money. Like they're going to literally have a direct line there. And that's just not how it exists in traditional sports. While that sponsorship money, some of it does go to the players. It's just sort of seen as, oh, okay, the players get a bunch of money. They get the media rights deals. They get the ticket sales. Like uh, the players have no issues with money in, uh, in traditional sports, but in esports, it's really good to have like the brands are seen as directly supporting the players that they're fans of, which creates a better brand, uh, brand fan relationship. Yeah, no one's like, I'm so happy for Steph Curry that he got muscle milk as a partner. You know, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, Dave like Miller has Hulu. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, like, no one no one gets excited about that. But it's weird in gaming, people do get excited by it because I think they feel a really close connection to the streamers because it's almost like, like, what, the way we try to explain to brands is like, in some cases, the teams are the teams, but in some cases, the plate, like, the streamers are the teams. So you have these communities that have been watching them since the beginning and they've been, they root for them as if it's their favorite sports team. So when they see them succeed, 
that is a positive experience. Like, yeah, mid-roll sucks. No one likes mid-roll. That's not Twitch's fault, you know, and I don't blame them for putting it in. That's like an annoyance for things, but that's kind of how the world works. I think there's other ways of getting involved in the gaming space where you're not just buying video, where you're actually more additive and you get more out of it. Right, and I'm sure Twitch, like, Twitch isn't stupid. They've been trying to push brands towards some of the other unique ways, and, you know, a lot of brands are still stuck in the stone age. They're like, we buy ads. We buy, buy I give you money, you give me 15 seconds, I put ad up. Like, that's sort of just how they operate. And, you know, things are changing, and the smart brands are figuring out how to evolve and how to connect to this gaming audience. Like you mentioned, the uh, the brand that wants to be additive, that's really key, and that's what the smart brands are doing in this. So I know I want to be conscious of your time, but I feel like we have to talk about the Gen G Foundation at Gen 10. First of all, as a big fan of Ben 10, I love the name Gen 10. It just think <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, tell me a little bit about what the, the plans were for Gen 10 and why you wanted to create a foundation, especially to focus on diversity and inclusion in college esports. Yeah, so we, we already had um, these relationships with colleges, and obviously 2020 was just a year of a complete social and racial unrest. So we knew that we needed to do something, and we wanted to kind of be there, be up front with it. So we launched the Gen 10. Uh, we launched it a couple of weeks ago, and it basically is... 10 students a year for 10 years are going to receive a scholarship from Gen G. And in order to qualify, you have to be a person of color, low income, or a woman. And you have to be at any U.S. university. And you have to make a commitment to helping the esports community move forward. So you don't have to be a player. You could be, but you don't have to be a player. You could be interested in journalism. You could be interested in entrepreneurship. You could be a member of the club. You could be involved in community outreach. We want to hear what people are doing out there that's going to help make gaming and esports better on college campuses. And it's going to be a 10-year commitment. So our hope is that for the Gen 10, um, there'll be 10 students a year, but there's going to be 10 students next year and 10 years the year after. And we're going to follow these students um, throughout the next 10 years of their lives. And what we're hoping for is that these kind of classes, you think of it, I like to think of it as, I guess, like an SNL class or like an All-American class, things like that. Um, you'll see them kind of go on to success in the esports industry or in the business world or wherever they choose, um, but they're going to leave behind them their university esports curriculum in a better place. So we're going to be following them. We're going to be helping them. We're going to be creating content with them. We're going to be helping their mission. Uh, we're going to be providing with them scholarships. And our hope is that this kind of creates really a spider web and a, and a ripple effect across these universities. And so far, uh, we have four foundational partners, University of Kentucky, Eastern Michigan University, Bumble, and Silicon Valley Bank. So we've actually extended the amount of people who are going to be receiving the scholarship for this year. Um, the applications are open. We're, they're closing. They're closed on October 15th. We're going to announce the winners around Thanksgiving, and the scholarships can be given out for this year. So um, we're really excited by it. Um, I already saw a couple of submissions, and it's just like amazing to see kind of what's coming in. And we think it just reinforces our commitment to esports, our commitment to college esports, college education, the growth of this industry, um, the growth of this industry through diversity. And what we hope for is like students to be the one leading the charge, not us, not university officials. Like we want the actual people living it to be the ones who are helping enact the change. And we're just kind of supporting it and giving them the tools and resources they need. 
I love that. It's been student-led for so long on college campuses, gaming clubs that didn't have anything more than an occasional meeting room. And now that administration's finally getting on board, giving it to the students. And, you know, that focus on, on diversity and inclusion is so important. I just today, so on the College Esports Quick Take, each week we publish a long interview, which is what this will be. But we also publish daily news hits, and that includes... Uh, one each week where I look at a research study. And the one I covered just today, recording this on Wednesday, you guys won't hear it until uh, Friday. But the one I covered on the College Esports Quick Take was a paper published by a PhD student, a professor at North Carolina State. And they talked with a bunch of college esports leaders and found that college esports haven't brought in as many women as they had hypothesized uh, about three years ago, which basically they they just hoped that, okay, the... Uh, Esports at the top level is very male dominated. Well, college esports might be a great way to bring more women into the fold, and that, and they found that that just hasn't totally been the case. That hasn't played out, and so I think initiatives like this are really important because there needs to be a concrete effort to make it easier for women to enter the space, to make it easier for low income people to enter this space, uh, because right now it just hasn't totally proven to be that. And so having organizations like Gen G backing that, having all female Fortnite teams, like the one sponsored by Bumble, and ha- really increases that representation. And then you see young girls like Moki in. Uh, is she Genji? Yeah, she's Genji. She's Genji. God, you guys have everybody. Yeah, yeah winning. Uh, she's a winning Fortnite. Yeah, she's a baller. Fourteen-year-old. If you guys missed this, fourteen-year-old uh, girl in Sweden, I believe, uh, won a pretty big Fortnite tournament. And it's just like that kind of representation is so cool to me. I think that's. Uh, we also have the uh, Phase Clans. Uh, what's oh, what's her name? Ewok. Getting her name. Ewok. Thank you so much. Yeah, Ewok. And that's uh, and she's also deaf as well. And it's just like that kind of representation is just so awesome to see in esports. And it's a lot of the esports organizations, Gen G in particular, leading the way and making sure we have that in esports going forward. And then Gen Ten, really making sure that exists on the college level and creating that next generation of leaders. So shout out to well, Gen G. Oh, no, well, I was just going to say, a lot of our, our female players, they say, um, they feel like they just didn't have role models who were like them growing up. So what we're really trying to do is hopefully through the Gen 10, and there are other initiatives, and you know, we're not the only ones doing this space, we know there's other companies too, but the hope is that people, you know, we already see it with Moki, for example. Moki's been able to look up to the Fortnite team and kind of see them as like, a way and like a groundbreaker and someone who's kind of done it so that's why like the 10-year commitment is important to the gen 10 it's like you're gonna see people who see these initial classes and see these initial women in gaming and like diversity in gaming and then they're finally gonna realize oh okay i i can actually like i'm accepted by this community i can do this too um and that's what we're trying to get with gaming so it's like if college people think, well, esports is male dominant. A, I think you gotta look in the mirror in some sense. Like, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing to change that? And B, I think you have to think of change as like a spectrum of time almost, you know? And it's like, what you do today, you may not see the results immediately, but you know, in a year from now, two years from now, three, three years from now, what you do today, that's gonna be reflected because that's who you're gonna inspire. And that's kind of the long-term thought process of where we're going as a company. 
I love it. That feels like a great note to wrap up on. Jordan, thanks so much for taking the time. Good luck with Worlds coming up. Want to give you one last chance. Shout out anything that you want people looking at for Jed G. Uh, want to be following along your own personal stuff that you things you're tweeted out. Uh, shout out Jed G and let people know what they should be following. Yeah, let I me mean, just say, you know, follow us uh, across all social channels. You can check me out too at G Sherman Jed G um, on Twitter or on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn is actually where I do most of my content. So if anyone ever listeners and wants to connect with me, just add me Jordan Sherman on LinkedIn. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Shoot me a note and we can talk from there. Beautiful. You can go to his guest page underneath this podcast, click on his name and you'll see links to his LinkedIn and to his Twitter. If you want to connect with him, Jordan's a great guy doing awesome work at esports. I could talk to him all day, but I have to let him go eventually. So Jordan, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a blast talking with you. And again, good luck in worlds. I'll be rooting for y'all.